0: Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity. If we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function, you definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, welcome back to the ProcureTech podcast. And today, I've got a little bit of a treat for you because I get to talk to LinkedIn royalty, Mr. Tom Mills. (laughs) Tom's built a personal brand of over 30,000 followers on LinkedIn and has a subscription newsletter over on Substack with approaching 2,500 subscribers now. And Tom and I are going to have a talk about personal branding. And Other than getting Tom's take on the digital procurement market, we're going to talk about how building your brand can really help you to own and shape your personal and career development, especially in the age where big corporates are cutting back on training budgets and and the opportunities to learn in a more formal manner. So before we dive into this, first of all, Tom, welcome. Welcome.
1: Hi, I'm really honored to be part of the show, actually. And um, thanks for a really kind introduction.
0: So, Tom, for anyone who maybe hasn't come across your LinkedIn content that's maybe not so active on the platform, just walk us through really, really briefly your career to date and some of the procurement roles you've you've done just to really contextualize the conversation of where we're going to go from there.
1: Yeah, sure. So I've had a um, unique blend, really, of direct and indirect buying in my career. So I started out 12 years actually at the, the co-op in in kind of category buying, category management style roles. FMCG environment, dealing with some big suppliers like Coca-Cola, Galaxy Smith clone, but also to delivering supplier relationships with local suppliers as well. I then went to work for the Hut Group, which is a multi-site online retailer and I was head of purchasing, heading up a small team of direct buying there. And then my big move into a indirect procurement role was actually when I moved to Clark's. Everyone will know them as the shoe company that have yeah. nearly two hundred years of history. But I led a transformational role in there in terms of introducing effectively uh, a procurement function. And then I've taken that experience into my current role where I work in Bibi Financial Services, which is an invoice financing company. And I had to effectively set up a... A procurement environment for scrap from scratch. So just to round off, in terms of how that links to my social media content, I think there's huge um, learnings that can be helpful to anyone that I look to um, put out there every day in terms of the setting up a procurement environment. The other thing is from my career, I've seen a lot of how procurement can be done badly. So I'm quite.
0: <laughs> I think we all have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So we've all got them stories, and I think. The reason I've taken to social media and particularly LinkedIn is to talk about that is because I think that procurement can have a hugely valuable role in the future and is absolutely pivotal in organizations. We're seeing that. However, it is constrained and potentially held back by some really kind of archaic ways of working and some bad practices. So I'm keen to promote a um, much more forward thinking, much more diverse, much more exciting environment for procurement which will attract new talent. Conversely, impact businesses positively. And the only way you can really do that is to develop a network and to make sure you influence effectively.
0: Fantastic. Thank you for that. So just a few years ago, most people would probably have had no clue... What the term personal branding means, and and nowadays it's much more well understood as pe- more and more people are becoming sort of independent freelancers and having to you know develop their their, their own persona online as a, as a way to get clients. But you know I hate jargon. I know you do too. We both speak about it on LinkedIn. So just give us a very brief explanation of what we're talking about specifically in yeah. the procurement term, when, when you say building a personal brand. Because I think the, the reason why I'm asking you that is because, because if someone has a stable job and maybe thinks, well, you know, I don't want to become an independent consultant or a public speaker or the thought leader, why do I need a personal brand?
1: Oh, that's a fantastic question. I'm going to start with a very, very brief story. And it is when I joined Clark's and one of my key assignments was to deliver procurement for the marketing or, or brand department, as it was called in Clarks. And I remember the director of marketing there, a great guy called Rory Gardner, who said to me, what you need to do in this business, in this function is develop a personal brand. And I remember thinking at the time, that's a bit weird. Like, <laughs> what does he mean? it mean? Uh, it felt really marketing. And now that's obviously 10 years ago. But honestly, it stuck with me. So what he meant by that was, it was... How do I make sure that I effectively engage with my audience with influence of the organization? It's by being known for something. So being known for um, what you believe in and making sure that your personal brand is an effective one, which makes people want to work with you positively. So I see that as hugely relevant. It doesn't matter if you're in consulting, whether you're looking for a job, whether you're going independent, whether you're working in a business. Procurement has to develop its brand within organizations because you're only as good as the influence you have within an organization. So personal brand is what do you want to be known for? What do you want people to remember you by? What's your legacy in an organization? And I think that's fundamentally important because that's the only way to stand out and to deliver early impact and change. Yeah. Theoretical, but yeah.
0: No, I think that that's really, really helpful because when people hear the word personal brand, they probably think you know creating content on LinkedIn or on TikTok every day. But the way that you've described it, it's almost about building a personality and a reputation within your business as being you know someone that's approachable and helpful and and is able to conduct and communicate effectively, right? Which are skills that procurement are often not blessed with, surprisingly.
1: And I think that there's an element here whereby you've got to be, I know the word authenticity is banded around quite often, but I'm always very keen that whatever I promote online is a true reflection of my offline self. So I always think to myself, would people that I work with in my current business recognize what I'm saying online? And actually a lot of the influence that I have for my LinkedIn content or the inspiration, I should say, comes from, a very real scenario that might have happened that day at work. Yeah. Um, so lots of the time, my creativity comes from that, Ah, I saw how to solve that. and Now I'm going to tell other people how to solve it. Or this happened and I don't think it was right. That's not what I stand for. Therefore, I'm going to talk about it. And so once you do that, I think where we've got to be careful with the words personal brand is, personal brand isn't fake. It's not something you make up. It's not something you can kind of, A personal brand is you, but it's you shining. It's you coming to the fore and it's you coming through in everything that you do. So you don't really develop a personal brand. You just are clear on what your brand is and you are um, actively promoting it.
0: Yeah, and that's important because you can't really... Well, people do try and do it, but usually fail. But you, you can't really be Janus faced with this, can you? You can't have one face online or or in your external communication and then behave like a complete arse in in business meetings or, uh, or, 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 or at conferences or whatever it might be.
1: Exactly, exactly. And I'm not saying that I'll always get it right. And I mean, I think you've got to recognize that everyone has good days and bad days. And, um, you know, everyone makes mistakes. So it doesn't mean that you have to be squeaky clean. One of the other things that I'm really clear on in my content is I'm very open about mistakes I've made. So, one of the articles I wrote quite early on was five big buying mistakes I made, because I think one of the things that people aren't very good at is being open in a way that helps other people to learn. And that's a great way to pass on experience and to help other people. So, I think when we think about attracting new talent, I think back to my 20s and I think at the time I was. I was so arrogant and I thought I knew it all. But oh my goodness, I did so many things wrong, James. I did made so many. But how, where, where were the mentors? Where were the leaders? Where were the influencers then in the procurement space in the early 2000s? There wasn't the same access that there is now. So one of the things I think is really important is to use social media, things like LinkedIn, use my email stack to help others learn, hopefully help them not make the same mistakes as I did. Or if they do make the same mistakes, feel okay about it. So I think that's an important.
0: Yeah, and I've certainly noticed that that the trend certainly over the past two or three years is that well, a procurement professionals have been a bit more, a lot more open in terms of connecting and sharing experiences with one another on platforms like LinkedIn, but also you know at conferences maybe being a bit more open and a bit more vulnerable. But but secondly, to you know admitting where where they have screwed up and some of the life lessons that they've learned, I've I've noticed that too. Yeah. And you hit on a really good point in your previous answer that I'd like to just sort of roll, uh, just touch on a little bit more. And that is, you know, you said in your twenties that it was really difficult to find good mentors within the procurement space. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're a similar age and back then formal learning and development was much more important because of that. Nowadays you know, your newsletter, this podcast, online courses, sort of things that Dr. Mudassi Ahmed is doing on, on SCM Dojo, some of the more charismatic conferences that have appeared now, like DPW from Matthias. There are so many more resources now that you can tap into because formal learning and development within procurement, especially as budgets get tightened, Is notoriously lacking. You know, I've I've certainly, apart from an annual negotiation refresher, I've not had much formal training within my profession. I'm pretty much self-taught, give or take the odd course here and there. How do you think these resources that are all out there now can help procurement professionals to grow and acquire new skills that their employers are not investing in? You know, how how would you navigate that landscape?
1: are brilliant, absolutely brilliant points. And I just firstly want to say I've subscribed to everything that you've just said. Um I think that we've got to get away from that kind of idea that all training, learning needs to be formal and through for a simplistic or, or generalized kind of SIPS type route. I think there's a lot of great advancements in technology that's out there. I admire everything I that you're doing with the kind of procurement software knowledge and how you, you, you're you sharing that and using that. But I think what I've realized is at a fundamental level, if you develop a network, if you go to those conferences, if you find those areas of those roundtables or those discussions or those groups of people that have similar interests in you in terms of advancing procurement, that there's no question that you can't answer through access to, through a uh, second or third person that you speak to. So, I think one of the things that is really important, and I always look for when I'm recruiting in a team, is how do people externally network? So, how do people make sure that they're always thinking outside of their organization? And even when I'm looking at something like a procurement analyst role, I'm thinking, right, yes, you're doing a great job in the analytics you're providing for us now. I want you to find other procurement analysts and see what they're doing and start sharing knowledge. So, I'm not sure if that's directly answered the question, James, but what I would say is it does take being proactive, not relying on your business to provide that formal training or not going through some kind of... It's not a set route. You have to be out there. And I guess there's an element of a lot of the procurement, the affected procurement people that I've worked with are quite extroverted in that way. Um, And I think that that's really important. Um, And that's why... I, I want people like yourself and what you do because I see that you're out there. You're learning from other people. You're getting out there to all the conferences. You're meeting people. And so much of procurement is about networking and the power of connection.
0: It is, and yet still a lot of procurement professionals don't do it. Do, do you think that's mainly just because of budget or workload or, or, or just the arrogance that they think they know best?
1: Oh, do you know what? I'm going to be really honest here. For my own sake, I think I've not been doing enough actual conference networking over the last year or two simply because of absolute time. So I think about yeah. the procurement role at the moment in the organization I'm in, and hopefully that's a kind of reflection of a lot of people is that there is just that feeling of there's so much procurement to do in the organizations you're in. How can you possibly afford time out? Yeah, the problem is it, it becomes one of those kind of double-edged swords where you stop learning, you stop growing, and you stop being as effective. So I think it's one of those things you've almost got to learn to prioritize it and make sure that you do it. I
0: think prioritization is a massive one, isn't it? Because, I mean, no, no disrespect to what you do, but in the financial services industry, you're saying that you're swamped. And then if you think, you know, manufacturing companies and how they've been pummeled over the past couple of years you know, it, it takes a lot of discipline to say in that type of role, I'm going to take three days out of my out of my week and, and go to a conference. It, it does take a lot of balls to do that.
1: It does. I would say that also we've got to recognize that a lot of conferences now have a good access to online resources. So there's been some virtual content conferences that I've attended where you can attend for a day or you can get some of the sessions afterwards. So there are other ways of doing it which don't involve huge amounts of travel or huge amounts of time. And that's why I've come back to the importance of building your network in whatever way that you can and um, using things like LinkedIn, Substack, Twitter, YouTube to find other content creators and to start working your network that way. So I guess the difference between where we were 20 years ago, James, is that there's multiple ways now that you can learn and develop and grow your network, whereas it used to be kind of, just, just set routes which were costly. So,
0: yeah, and I and I only see that growing. To be honest, Tom, I'm sure you do. You do too. You know, if you look at where it was even just three years ago, in the beginning of 2020, when I started regularly posting on LinkedIn, and where we are now, there's there's a massive difference in terms of online resources and portals that you can learn from, and. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask for your opinion on formal training organizations like SIPS or the ISM, but you know, I do still think that they have a role to play. I just don't think that they're the only game in town anymore.
1: Yeah, people misinterpret me a lot sometimes because I'm quite vocal about that and I don't mind you putting on the spot. I'm vocal only because I totally agree. The way you've positioned it, James, is spot on. They have a role but they are not the only role. They are not the only route to success. And I think people put an undue emphasis on them to the extent that it almost curtails diversity and inclusion. Because let's face it, not everyone starts off their procurement career working in an organization that can afford tens of thousands of pounds on a a SIPs training. Not every um, procurement individual um, has the time to be able to do that. If you think about, for example single parents or, you know, people who are really, really struggling with with workload. So I think that the thing that I have against that type of thing is if people assume that the only way you can be good at procurement is by being M6 qualified, um, they are um, absolutely then not promoting diversity and inclusion. And there's a whole different world out there now in 2023 where we need to be thinking about how do we attract talent but how do we also make sure that we attract talent from all 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 corners
0: yeah and i I would completely agree with that and it's it's interesting to see that organizations like sips actually are are probably growing fastest in places like the middle east and africa where you know you would think that Financing those types of accreditations is going to be even more of a challenge. You know, but perhaps employers employers are willing to pay for it in that sense. I don't. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to yeah. maybe maybe get sips on and have a chat and uh, have a chat to them actually, because uh, that is where I see the growth. They're, they've also been quite slow in terms of the take up on digital skills as well, haven't they? That's they've always been very relevant, especially in things like public sector where it's very regulated and there's a lot of. There's a lot of formal process, but they've been very, very slow on the uptake on digital skills.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think if you look at some of the other conferences out there, they're obviously finding a niche now that hasn't been filled. So yeah, I I think I don't want to be dismissive of those types of organizations or those types of routes to professional qualifications. I think they're hugely valuable. And I've actually supported it recently with one of my team members. So it's not I'm not anti it. I'm anti it being the only route to success, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And in some industries, it's deemed as being more important than others. And if I was in a procurement leadership role and someone came to me and said, I want to do SIPS, I would support it as long as I think, as long as I thought that they'd thought it through and looked at other options, you know, whether it's doing a, Masters in supply chain management, or, or or doing a more unconventional route. I think it really depends. In, you know what's what's your end game? Are you just doing it because all of your peers are doing it, or are you doing it because you see a means to an end of, of of doing it? I I completely agree with you there. Yeah, exactly. You did a few articles a while back on the procurement dinosaur, and you got a little bit of stick for doing that. And personally, I followers actually, James yes yeah, as, as we all do from time to time but you know I agree with the general concepts of what you were trying to say and but at the same time I can understand why 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 some why, why some people maybe took um, umbrage at it and, and I do think that some procurement professionals are very curtailed in what they can do just in terms of the maturity and the stature of procurement within their organization so I I do have some empathy for some for, for some of our compatriots that are that are maybe a little bit uh that that are maybe a little bit boxed in. But what would be your definition of this species?
1: Yeah, um well it's a species that is extinct for a start. So <laughs> the, I think where um it may have caused some bother is that there is a a misplaced interpretation that the metaphor meant that it's about people who are older, longer in the tooth old age dinosaurs didn't go extinct because of old age. They went Extinct because they were unable to adapt to a suddenly changed environment. So the reason that's relevant today is because the world that we live in today, with all of the inflationary pressures, with all of the supply chain pressures, with all the digitization and digitalization that's available to us is hugely different to where it was five years ago. And therefore, my point on the dinosaur metaphor is to say: unless that we adapt quickly. There is a very real chance that procurement, as we know it, could well die or go extinct. that doesn 't mean that we might not as individuals find other roles within the the business, but I think procurement has to adapt far more quickly than it has been, and that 's why I think that we need to be making sure that we're doing everything we can to attract new talent, everything we can do to understand the technology advancements and how that's going to impact our businesses and then we need to be having a a change mindset. It's about a mindset to be able to adapt and move on from old ways of working. And that's the bit that I think I've seen has been particularly slow within um, certain organizations and certain individuals I know. The final point I'd say is, um, in order to be very clear, and this is about going back to the point around following about what you stand for, you've got to be very clear against what you stand against. Um, And I think it was Justin Welsh who said that, but I'm going to take it as mine for this podcast. I feel like um, I'm very clear. I remember walking in, and I'm not going to specifically talk about the business, but I remember walking into the procurement team um, several years ago, which was entirely male. It had people with SIP certificates in frames above their desks. It was people who were literally sat at their desks all day, taking phone calls and doing that. And, And oh my goodness, their actual influence with the organization was minimal to the extent that you could almost argue, I I don't don't know what they were doing. It was like uh, um, unbelievably old school. That's who I stand against. I stand against those people. I stand with the people who sit there within their functions and work with the marketeers, work with the creative agencies, build relationships with suppliers, go to conferences, influence at all levels of the organization. I support the people that are attracting new talent and welcoming diversity and creating an environment that shows that. And that's what I stand for. So I'm very happy. I was relieved to lose a lot of followers during that point because it made me very clear on, okay, these are the types of people that I want to work with. And I know some people took on bridge against it, but that's the point. Sometimes you've got to be clear on what you stand for. Well, I'm passionate about that, and I hope that's just come across in that little spiel I've just given you, James.
0: Yeah, I definitely think it does, yeah. <laughs> so taking that on board then, which skills specifically do you think nowadays are the most lacking in, procure- in procurement as a whole? You know, just looking at it very holistically.
1: Mm, lacking is a good one. Be- well, it's a good one. It's a difficult one, actually, because... I think you touched on it earlier on or it was before we actually started recording this pod, but there's an element of I don't think there's people who are working on or self-aware enough about their soft skills, about their um, emotional intelligence. Now, it's quite difficult to learn emotional intelligence because so much of it is kind of part of who we are from how we've grown up. But I think it's that self-awareness piece, James, around how am I being perceived? What can I do better to in- engage with people to develop really effective business partnerships? And how do we make sure that procurement is a function that people are left with a good impression of? And I think that people in procurement, they're so fixated on the, the technical elements, that this is what we need to do, these are the process steps. They're forgetting the fundamentals of, okay, I've just left an interaction with a stakeholder who didn't know procurement before. Are they going to want to come back to me in the future? Are they understanding what procurement is? Have I dropped all the jargon on all the technical speech so I make it relevant to them? And that's the bit that I think people could really do with honing in on and developing. And so short answer is emotional intelligence, the soft skills, the influencing, um, and just being decent human beings.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I do think some of it is also down to internal process as well, though, isn't it? Because if, you, yeah. if you're if first, going back to what you just said, if if a stakeholder's first experience with procurement is that it takes them two weeks to onboard a vendor, <laughs> then they're probably not going to come back. But is that the procurement person's fault? It's, it's not always, is it? But I, I do completely take on board what you say. But I also think that it's it's down to governance and process as well. And I think sometimes procurement is the tail that's been wagged by the dog of legal and internal audit sometimes. And I know in things like financial services it's a very regulated industry, but I do think that we need to stand up to that a lot more.
1: Oh, James, you so right. And being very clear on what our roles and responsibilities are. Sometimes there's a real misinterpretation of procurement's role in terms of, you know, do we look after um, all the elements of legal, modern slavery, data protection, info security, those are all important compliance steps. And yes, we have a have a role to make sure that the processes are right, but ultimately that's not where we're delivering our value. So you're absolutely bang on.
0: Yeah, awesome. So I'm just conscious of the time, Tom, because I know you've got a hard stop and we need to wrap this up. I've got two things that I want to ask you as the last two questions, just as a bit of a quick fire. So the first one is, what do you think the biggest challenge is when it comes to driving digital transformation in procurement? And I've got four options. I'd like you to pick one. The first one is apathy or lack of mandate. The second one is risk aversion. The third one is problems with attracting and retaining talent. And the fourth one is just poor awareness of the procurement tech marketplace beyond the established players.
1: Uh, do you know what? I'm going to go with number one, apathy. I think the reason I say that, it was apathy and what, James? Can you remember? And lack of mandate. Lack of mandate, yeah. So I think there's, there's quite a lot wrapped up in that, but the reason I go with that is because I think there's a kind of, procurement is almost seen as a back-end function on a lot of the time, and you always yes. have to come, Yeah. you're there to support the business, to sales teams to get what they need, and I think there's a lack of mandate, but also there's an apathy in terms of, oh, well, it's working. We, we, it's okay. We, we we can just carry on as we are.
0: If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, if it ain't
1: broke, don't fix it. And then that comes back to my procurement dinosaur thinking um, around apathy can exist across all levels, but it can exist within procurement itself. You can kind of think, well, it seems to work. We've got our spreadsheet. We've got our Excel file of contracts. We know what we're doing. It's okay. Why do we need to fix it? But I think that that's the biggest for me.
0: Okay, and then final thing, if you had one wish to drive procurement, kicking and screaming into the 21st century, what would it be? Wow, what a question. One wish. Do you know what?
1: I want there to be far more access to events like uh, DPW, that type of thing, whereby... um, they are affordable for people to get to, far more networking events, far more real life opportunities for people to get together. And I know that some people are doing it and taking it on themselves, but I think procurement really needs to start upping their game in terms of delivering some really insightful events, conferences, getting together, and and doing a little bit more um, networking in person.
0: Um, that 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 would be my big thing. That's an interesting one. I didn't expect you to say that, but I do agree with you and that's an interesting one. Okay so if anyone would like to learn more about what you're up to and maybe wants to connect want to connect and, and read a bit more of what you write so frequently and so well, where should we send them?
1: Okay, well please first and foremost follow me on LinkedIn. I post every day and I try to give content that's helpful and constructive and, and I aim to simplify procurement for people who are looking to get into the profession. Um, I also have my Substack, which is called Procure Bytes. Um, its procurement pro- protagonist is uh, it, it is myself as the author, but Procure Bytes on Substack. And I would w- recommend anyone to start looking at Substack more generally for some really good content out there, not just mine. If they're looking to get access to some really good information on procurement.
0: We will link to all of that in the show notes. Tom, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy holding down a full-time job and posting on LinkedIn every day. So I better let you go, but really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, James. It's been an absolute pleasure. So I hope Tom managed to give you a few tips there of how you can build your personal brand and also some of the changes that are going on in procurement and how to lead from the front in terms of being the change behind your organization. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget, if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We highly appreciate it. Until next week, take care wherever you are in the world and bye for now.